Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sky Blue Fans TV. My name's Mark Smith. Tonight, I've been joined by regulars Ken Stewart and Vicky Oakes, and we've also been joined by Rams Review podcaster Corey Hancock, and Justin from Second Tier Podcast is also a Derby fan, so we'll be speaking to them later to preview Derby. So all of the show tonight. Uh, we'll get the uh, the whole game out of the way because obviously we're all disappointed with that result, 2-0, um, and then we'll focus on Derby. So let's kick things off uh, to talk about the dismal defeat against Hull City. Um, I'm going to start with you, Ken. Um, what went wrong last night? <laughs> That's a good good question because we all went there full of hope, didn't we, after, after Saturday's um, fantastic win over Sheffield. United, we uh, we failed to turn up. Classic, um, classic commentary, isn't it? We just didn't uh, perform to the standard we were on Saturday. We, passing was all over the shop. You know, we I think we underestimated Hull. Hull came out. They looked very solid. Uh, they looked up for it, and uh, you know they deserved the three points at the end of the day. We, we just didn't just didn't get going, and I don't know for whatever reason we can put our finger on it. Too many players. Fell below power on the night and uh, bitterly disappointing because we expected, I certainly expected to pick up three points last night. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, I think, I, I don't know if it's me, I just think, I think part of it is because um, I felt like, I don't know if it's a case that we just un- underestimated um, Hull. I thought Hull were a lot better team than what people anticipated. Um, in my opinion, I felt Hull probably did deserve to win the game. Um, aside from all the controversy with the goal over the line, which we'll, we'll talk about after, talk about later. Um, the key start of the game, um, obviously, um, one notable change: Ben Sheaf was playing at the back with a couple of injuries. Um, disappointing first half performance. Just there just seems to be a lack of cohesion. Passing was non-existent. Going astray. And and whole and whole sort of you know to their chances, isn't it? It's just disappointing. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that was the main problem, wasn't it, in the first half? Especially, we just couldn't string a couple of passes together. I think that um, Hull Hull looked better than the team they looked early on in the season. I'm not sure that I guess a lot of us don't get to see a lot of Hull, um, and maybe some of us hadn't realised um, how much they've improved under their new management. Um, because they didn't look like the same team that I'd seen early on in the season. They looked well organised um, and uh, had a threat up front um, with Eves. Um, so, yeah, I thought they looked like a decent sort of championship um, team and we just looked like <laughs> a shadow of ourselves from Saturday. Um, couldn't string a couple of passes together, kept on giving away the ball in silly areas and just were really the authors of our own downfall, really, weren't we, I think? It's just, it's just like another game for me where when we play against teams that seem to sit back a bit, uh, quite organised, maybe have two banks of four or two banks um, and, and they press on us and they hit us on the counter. There's been games like this season where we've, we've really seemed to struggle and, and, and 
I think Sheffield United game previous to that was a game where um, it was a bit more of an open game, and I think we just took advantage of that. I think yesterday was a game where, you know, Hull were very compact, very organised, and we just had no no answer to that. Um, let's I talk about the, the first... Go on, go on, Vicky, yeah. So I was, I was just going to say that I think the problem was, as much as anything, that we conceded a goal so early. I think that um, we do struggle against teams that are organised like that and have come to sort of... Um, sure what defensively um, and if you let them score within four minutes then you're just going to be up against it aren't you because we're not particularly good at playing against those types of teams and we've played completely into their game plan haven't we they've come with a, a game plan we let them score within four minutes and we're just up against it then for the, for the whole whole game um, they can go about with their sort of um, time wasting breaking up play um, all those sorts of sort of tactics and um we, we just, I think we just entirely played into their hands, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's twenty. I think it's twenty-two games this season now, so thirty-seven. We've conceded. We've conceded first, and that's, you know, obviously people talk about last-minute goals, which has which has gained us points or picked us up three points. But that's that's a that's a pretty poor statistic for us. Um, Ken, first goal. I mean. For me, there's two there's two issues with it for me. I think the first thing is we don't track the runner. I think Callum O'Hare falls asleep. He's not goal side. We lose a bit of concentration. And obviously Simon Moore made, you know, let let's you know, obviously didn't let it go in, but he, he, he made an error there. It's just a poor goal overall, wasn't it? It was a poor goal and to be fair to Simon Moore, he very rarely he makes a mistake, but I, I think if he looks back at that he'll be disappointed. With where and the, how the how the goal went in, but yeah, you're right. Callum O'Hare lost his man, and you know, came running past him, and he shouldn't allow that to happen. But uh, yeah, you'd expect the goalkeeper to save that one, um, but he never. So we were up against it, and it was I say, as Victoria says, an early goal again. We conceded, and we're up against it, you know. But I, I always back us, even if we go goal down, because we've done it so many times to come back and win the game. But we just really never got going, did we? Um, you know, the, we just didn't get going. The passing didn't get going. The passing went, passing kept going astray, uh, and 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 Hall were up for it. And uh, fair play to them. They 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 defended well and they held out. And um, a few shocking decisions from the referee on the night. I, I think we should add a couple of penalties, but you know that's one of them things. We get sometimes you get them, can't rely on referees' decisions, and and that's the way it went. So yeah, it's disappointing night all around, all around, Mark. To be fair. Yeah, uh, going. I mean, obviously, we don't want to talk too much about the officials, but we'll just cover it briefly, Vicky. Um, I thought the officials last night were just not great, if I have to be honest. I thought definitely there was definitely <laughs> a penalty, and I'm trying to be diplomatic because uh, I don't like swearing <laughs> on a podcast. Um, so I thought, I thought the first one with Matt. I mean, okay, it's not the penalty one, but the one on Matson where we have a clear advantage, and he and he bring he gives us a free kick when we, you know, he had a clear run. In a good attacking position, and that really frustrated the crowd. It frustrated me watching it. Um, what was your assessment on the officials generally? They weren't great, were they? I mean, it's difficult. I mean, every time you think you've seen the sort of worst officials of the season, they just seem to go a, a step further. I mean, just think that um, it, it was his lack of any control over the game, I think, was the most frustrating. The, the fact that he did absolutely nothing to deal with the fact that Hull um, were taking 
um, an hour over anything like the throw-ins, goal kicks, free kicks, everything. So it's just constantly frustrating the game. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we've we've all turned up to watch a match of football. We don't want to be spending sort of 20 minutes of that just watching like someone take forever to take a goal kick. And um, so his inability to do anything about that is frustrating. Um, and then there was obviously then some specifically contentious decisions. And I guess over the season, you hope that they sort of even themselves out, although I don't think we've been particularly lucky in that um, vein. Um, but you just think that if one of those decisions had gone in our favour, when you're having a bad game and the players are sort of a bit out of sorts, that sometimes you just need something to go in your favour to turn things around. And you just think, well, if, if the ref had actually got one of those right, um, it could have completely changed the dynamic of the game, really, and we might have got something out of it. And so whilst we can't really say that it's entirely the best fault that we didn't get anything from the game because we played so poorly, it does have an impact on the dynamic of the game and things could have been entirely different if we'd have, for example, if um, there'd been a penalty for the Gorkwes challenge in the first half, we've got a whole second half then to come out and, and try and like recover from what we did in the, in the first half. So just it's just frustrating that we constantly win, lose or draw, come out of games thinking how poor the officials have been. I, I think I, I just... For, for me, something needs to be done about it um, at a higher level um, because we all pay a lot of money to go and watch football around the country and we should be able to expect that the referees would do a, a reasonable job. And you see it across sort of social media. We're not the only club with fans who are, are dis- discussing like entirely contentious decisions week in, week out. Um, so, yeah, but for me, it's just another frustrating evening. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure Corey and Justin will, will, will say things about that when we bring them in later on. Um, second goal, Ken uh, Ryan Longman with the goal. I mean, having watched that again, I think the first thing I would say is I think Haim for me at full poor pass. It sets uh, King King Lewis Potter. Um, good shot. Simon White's a good save, and then they score from the resulting corner. Again, it's just a poor goal, wasn't it? Just just again, just lack of concentration, yeah. poor pass. I thought the goal itself possibly could have done a little bit more to close him down, although I thought the shot was was pretty pretty much unstoppable, really, just when it went off the top of the bar. Um, what was your view on the, on the second yeah, goal? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. high mistake, definitely. I mean, he got away with a couple just before that with the back with the bad passes, and uh, it was another bad pass from Hyam. He had a poor game, to be fair. And uh, you know, you go one nil down. What you don't want to do is go two nil down. It's it's an uphill task then. Uh, not many teams come back from 2-0 down. It has been done on a few occasions, but not very often. When you're 2-0 down, you, you're struggling. You need to get a goal. Your next goal is you know, vital. And um, obviously, it never came. So, yeah, but that was a, it was just poor all round. And it's so frustrating because we know we're a good team. And uh, the way we played against Sheffield United on Saturday was completely opposite to what we played on Wednesday night. You know, it's just so frustrating, and uh, I just can't put your finger on it, can you? Why, why players? It's obviously the inconsistency of players, but you just can't put your finger on it. But obviously, you know, fair play to Hall. Say they they come and done a job on us, and they did their homework, obviously, and uh, stopped us playing. Plenty of men behind the ball, uh, and they got the goals, and uh, and we never. And that's what it's all about. If you don't score, you you don't win games, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then second half happens, uh, Victoria. Um, a lot of kind of, I guess, 
huffing and puffing, not not without much success. And obviously the main two two big instances for me in the second half, I felt we should have had the penalty on on Tavares uh, off the ball. It looked looked a clear foul to me. The referees completely missed that. And obviously the main talking point, um, the goal the goal that you know, the supposed goal that wasn't given, but obviously technologies. <laughs> yeah, I mean technology has uh, has backed up the referee's decisions, which is. I guess at the time when I watched it, I was like screaming goal, you know, quite looking forward to being 2-1, frantic finale, and then and the players keep playing. I think the only, my only, my only comment on that is I just feel we, you've got to place the whistle. It's as simple as that. You've got to place the whistle. You can't assume it's a goal. Um, and it was, just, it was just one of those nights where Hull just defended very, very well. And you can't, you, I have to give them a lot of credit. I thought, I thought they were a lot better side than what, um, a lot of us thought. I don't know if that's came to the players thinking. I don't know, but it just goes to show in this league, you know, as we'll talk with the Derby guys uh, in a bit. There's no easy games in the championship. You have to earn that right to win. And it doesn't matter who you play against, whether you're playing Barnsley or you're playing Fulham. You've got, you've got to, you've got, to, you've got to be on your game, and that's that's the key. Um, but just one of those nights, really. I mean, who, Victoria, who? Who would you say, if anyone stood out for you for us on on that game? Not, I can't really think of anyone. Maybe Hamer for me, but um, I think I suppose that you'd have to give a bit of credit to Sheaf because he had to step into an, like it's not normal position in the back um, back five, and he, I thought he had a reasonable game against um, sort of. I suppose there's a degree of difficulty in passing the ball forwards in so much as no one was really moving, wasn't there? There was a lack of movement. So not only were we not passing it very well, there just seemed to be like a lack of any real um, idea as to what to do to get us going. And so um, I, th- I thought he had a reasonable game. I thought he, he managed to break up play um, a few times, got some decent balls out of defence. Um, and on the basis that's not his normal position, I thought that you have to give him some credit for the fact that he um, he, he had a decent game, I thought. Um I don't know. I was a bit disappointed with Haymar. I thought that from the levels he's maintained in the sort of previous two games, he was just a little bit off the the pace, and I think that maybe that, to a certain degree, was was the problem because O'Hare, Haymar, and Allen all had games below their normal sort of standards, and if you've got three midfielders all off the ball, that that was one of the biggest problems, I suppose, that we we just couldn't control the ball for long enough, and and it was getting lost in midfield constantly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, on Saturday it was difficult to pick a man in the match because they were all so good. Yesterday yeah. it was difficult to pick a man in the match because they were all so bad. So um, yeah, it's one extreme to another, isn't it? <laughs> it felt like a. It, do you know what? It felt like a hangover from Saturday. It felt like we played as if we just played the, the night, the night, the day before. It's like a, a big hangover, I and mean, we really just just crashed right back down to earth. And it was just a really, really poor performance. Ken. Great question for both of you, actually. I mean, how much of it, how much of an impact does it have when you don't have Robbins, you don't have Vivash, you don't have Lawrence, mm-hmm. none of them on the bench? You know, obviously it's, it's, it's a big job for Luke Tisdale. Um, would that, would you think that would have had any bearing on the game in terms of, you know, just that influence, that bit of guidance? Yeah, I think possibly because obviously half-time team talk and stuff like that. Um, obviously, Robbins and that's probably in con- in connection with them by phone during the game doing you know making the subs and stuff like that and telling them what who to bring on and who to bring off and stuff but I suppose you know at half time you haven't physically got them there 
as a team talk. So it obviously probably would affect them, to be fair. It'd be, it'd be, it wouldn't be a normal situation. So it'd be very abnormal, if you like. So, yeah, you, you're probably right. It will affect them in some way. But at the end of the day, the, the players, you know, the players must know that they haven't performed in that first half and they've got to go out and do it in the second half. So they, they shouldn't really need telling. But, um, but yeah, it's obviously going to be a bit difficult when COVID hits so many people, many back, backroom staff as it has, with, with, with Robbins, Vivash, and, and, and obviously Dennis Lawrence as well, um, falling victim. So that, and then when you, you've got the under 23 coach in charge, then obviously he's not got the experience that, that, that they have. So, you know, so yeah, I agree. It probably has an effect on me in a way, but there's certainly no excuse to play like that. Mm-hmm. And I just think, um, as you said, you know, you've got to be clock, you've got to, you've got to be switched on, you've got to. If you fall below the standards that you expect, then in this league you'll get punished, and there's no easy games, and you've got to be up for it, and you've got to be ready. And who just wasn't ready? Yeah. Um, what's your view, Vicky, regarding the coaches? Do you think that had a, any kind of impact on the game? I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you're talking like Kenneth has said, they're all professional footballers. They they should know the job they've got to do. But I guess, I suppose to a certain degree, we have there is a lot of youth to our team, isn't there? So. I don't know how much of a sort of how much guidance they get from Robbie's on a, on a match day. Um, I suppose just just the change in I mean, no doubt the training was different, everything like that. So it just it just messes up the routine, doesn't it? So I can imagine um, that must have some impact. Um, I mean, I don't think we can say that's the excuse, but um, I'm sure it didn't help. Um, it's just another little factor, isn't it, that, that sort of has all come come together to result in. I mean, it, it just felt like the weather was rubbish, wasn't it? So it just felt like a pretty dreary evening. Yeah, it was, it was it a just, bad, just, day, just, bad day all round. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So um, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully, there's something we can draw a line under and move on. <laughs> we'll move on. I just want to say, just about that goal, Mark. I, yeah. I, admit, I, I thought it was a goal. I think Victoria thought it was a goal as well. But when the when the shot went in, it it hit the guy's back, didn't it? On the, and and it sort of rolled back onto the line. And I keep looking at it. And I think, well, that's a goal. It's got to be a goal. But on the yeah. technology, it's obviously not quite the little bit of the ball, just not quite over the line, isn't there? Yeah, much more with that, Ken. Much more with that, Ken. Is that um, it looks that they've measured it when it's bounced off his back, back towards yeah, the line. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it definitely. If I kept looking at, it, I thought it's got to be. It's got to be a goal. Hundred percent. It's a goal. And I was getting text messages off people watching at home. That's the goal. That's the goal. And I thought, bloody hell, how did he miss that? You know, obviously it, yeah. it wasn't the case. And, that, and his watch hasn't gone off. Obviously, could have archived because of the hold of the ball. The hold of the ball didn't go over the line. Yeah, that's what it says in laws of, of football. Although I, I, <laughs> I maintain the lines are too thick. Person, the goal line. I think they can make <laughs> the lines a bit thinner. I reckon that would have got a goal that way. Um, anyway, we, we should have had somebody following in, shouldn't we? If we had somebody following in, well, this is it. Would have been a goal. You know, yeah, yeah. You need someone to make sure it's in the back of the net, and that's what football's about. It's about scoring yeah. goals, and then taking yeah. your chances. But, um, yeah, but it's disappoint. It's a disappointing result. But we've got another game to put things right, and that game is Derby County on Saturday lunchtime. I think it's on Sky Sports. I think it's a twelve thirty kickoff. Um, welcome to Corey and Justin. Welcome back. This is your hat trick appearance on Skyview Fans TV. It's great to have you once on once again. Um, we'll just kick, start with you, Corey. Um, quite simply, this is a must win game for Derby, isn't it? Uh, definitely, Mark. I think they're all must win at this point. Um, I've been saying for a couple of weeks that, you know, Derby could avoid. 
Darby could avoid a little bit of a slip up. Um, but they have slipped up the last couple of weeks and that window, that window, and I'm sure Justin will agree with me, the uh, the window of opportunity here of mistakes that of allowable mistakes is closing rapidly. We basically have to get points in every game from now until the end of the season. Wouldn't you say, Justin? Yeah, I completely agree with Corey. Um, the, the, the window of opportunity is, is a good is a good way of putting it. Derby couldn't afford to drop too many points over February, March time. Uh, and unfortunately, they, they have. They've had a really poor sort of six weeks with a, um, opposed to a couple of wins here or there. Um, and as well as that, Reading have, have, have picked up at times and, and Barnsley have, have, have really picked up. So it really puts a pressure on, on Derby. And obviously, the away form um, hasn't helped. And it puts a lot of pressure on the home form, which can can have an impact and may have an impact on, on Saturday, whether or not the, the, the players have got it in them to, to go again and, and, and win a, another must-win, which it must be the 38th must-win game for Derby this season. Yeah. Um, talk us through the last game, um, Justin and Corey, regarding the Blackburn games. Obviously, first half, Derby, you know, one nil up at half-time, doing quite well, and obviously Blackburn came back. What What went wrong, would you say? Well, Derby were cruising at half time. Um, they were the much better team against Blackburn in the first half. Yeah, probably some of the best football we've played all season. Really, we 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 played a strikerless formation. Morrison, Ravel Morrison looked um, looked uh, such a threat uh, in a more advanced role, linking up with Tom Lawrence and, and Max Bird in support. And yeah, Derby were were, were cruising, and then. Six minute spell. Um, Blackburn got more aggressive in their press. They pressed higher up and, and forced Derby into errors. Um, Derby's game management wasn't particularly great, um, and, and, but unfortunately, that's that's how you that's how you play against Derby. I think this season you, you, you activate a high press against them and, um, and force them into errors. Uh, and it's as simple as that, and that's that's what the turning point was. Um, and again, I'm sure, Corey will will agree. It was it was quite quite a bad second half, I think. Yeah, I think I think as good as the first half was, the second half was invert was the opposite, the <laughs> absolute complete opposite of that. Because I mean, we put out, I'm sure you saw Justin, we put out, you know, our normal halftime thoughts kind of thing, and I was mm-hmm. getting all these positive vibes from people that were like, "Oh, we're wiping the floor," and I'm like, "Well, Christ, Blackburn without Brereton Diaz, you know, maybe this is the chance. Maybe this is an extra three bonus points that we didn't think we were going to get." Because let's be honest, if we're looking at paper here and we're drawing up games that we think that we could take points off, if if we're the management team. Bournemouth, nah, probably not, right? Based off of their their league position, and then Blackburn, they're flying. They've been in a bit indifferent form. You're like, yeah, maybe maybe something there, but not expecting it, not holding your hopes on it. But yeah, you're like, yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna cruise here. And then the full time ones were complete complete opposite. And I don't think I've seen that that wide of a swing or that that wide of a variation from Derby uh, for a long time because Derby's been in most games. They've been very competitive. All but I think what Justin maybe bar one Birmingham was it away. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. they were completely com- completely off the pace, but they've been in most games this season and given every team they've played um, a run. And so, it, you know, the 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 drop of the performance in the second half was the most worrying thing to me. Um, and again, you know, the additional goal that's conceded late on again, just like it was against Bournemouth, sure lose a game, but I think at the situation that we're at, and I know that the goal difference we have is vastly superior to you know, Barnsley and Peterborough and stuff like that. I think Peterborough's what, what's uh, Peterborough? Minus Justin Neck minus 45 or something yeah. like that. And Barnes is like minus 24. And I think we're at minus, minus five or six. But then mm-hmm. when you ship another late goal, you're just kind of like, oh man, you don't know if that's going to come down to the final day and that might be needed later on. So that was another irritant because I was irritated at Bournemouth, not the, not losing, but conceding that second goal. Mm-hmm. And the second half performance was just, was just an absolute disgrace. 
And I also don't understand why we try to play it out from the back. It it works. (laughs) It works if you're like, you know, you're Liverpool or you're Manchester City or you're, you know, one of these really top teams with world-class players and world-class internationals. It just does not work in the championship. Like, especially when you're in a relegation dogfight, just kick it 50 yards upfield because if you lose it, you've got everybody behind the ball anyway to try to win it back. So I I don't know. That's another another decision. But Wayne Rudy doesn't have to answer to me for that. So not yet anyway. Um, just looking ahead to Saturday's game, um, what change do you think Derby will make? I mean, Kazim Richards, for example, on the bench, does he start for you? I don't think so. He was he was stretched off against mm-hmm. Blackburn. So I oh, was he sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't think we have any update. Do we, Justin, on his? No, it looked a it looked a serious one. I mean, he's a big guy and he's been stretched off twice this season. One yeah. with a, a serious injury already. So I'm sure. Uh, unfortunately, he's probably played his last game in a, in a Derbyshire. Um, I mean, he would have certainly been an option because I've not been overly impressed with Luke Plange of late. I think since of... his move, I would agree with you, Justin. I think since yeah. his move to Palace, he's really gone off the boil. And I'm not yes. saying that his mentality has gone. It all happens with young players. But it was like no one would be rushing to knock the door down now if if to pay to pay the million pound for him that they yeah. would have been in January because he's not been he's not been very good. And he's very fortunate in the fact that we don't really have anybody else who can play there so he basically has to play because i don't know where jack stretton he fell off the face of the earth but um uh but yeah, yeah so he basically has to play i think the only change justin maybe ebisele starts potentially i i would go strikeless again um i think the, the the fluid movement of the 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 forwards i think will really help and i think possibly having ebisele in but then ebue malcolm ebue another youngster has come through he's just 18 really gifted elegant left footed player who plays off the right probably lacks the aggressiveness that a first teamer would have a season first teamer would have uh, and possibly that Festi Ebersali has because Ebersali has got this fearness fearlessness when he's got uh, the ball at his feet uh, and I know Mark you said you're, you're a big fan of him as well um, but he is one of those really direct players who, who can terrify terrify defences and I think if obviously if if Coventry play the three at the back which they have done all season so I don't see why they, why they change it now I think there's there's possibility for uh, space to be exploited in behind Martin if, if Martin starts at left wing back. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go strikeless again, but I'd bring Ebersali in for maybe Abbey but then again, takes takes a good option off the bench as well. Yeah. Um, how do you assess the job Wayne Rooney's done as well at, at Derby? I mean, it's obviously a very very t- difficult situation as everyone as everyone knows. I think personally, he's he's done. He's, I don't think anyone could do as good a job as he could. I don't think even. If you had Pep Guardiola in charge of Derby County, you he wouldn't do any better than that. I think, I think he's, I think he's, in my opinion, his reputation has soared as, as from the job he's done there. Really, it's not been easy. Yeah, I, I don't know for you, Justin, but for me, he's manager of he's manager of the season for everything he's had to deal with, and, and I know, you know, it's going to go to people who win things, but the way, I mean, we all were talking about how, you know, how poor it was under Philip Kaku. Kaku always dealt with it with a bit of class and a bit of dignity, and he was a real gentleman about it. And I'll be fair, I wasn't in the the Rooney in camp at all when he first got the job, especially at the tail end of last season. I was like, this guy is just literally just taking money out of the football club. But this season, with everything he's had to deal with from the, obviously, the 21-point seductions, you know, there's been reports of him paying for away travel. We don't know if those are true or not. He bought, he was buying stuff for the training ground. Um, you know, he's had to put a patchwork team together. They went back to preseason training. Don't forget with like five or six first team players that were fit. It was ridiculous. They couldn't even put a session on because they didn't have enough people. Um, and then, you know, to get a patchwork, 
patchwork players in 39-year-old Phil Jagielka, re-signing Curtis Davis, Ravel Morrison on his, like, what feels like his 200th club of his career, which is also insane because he's played the most times for Derby that he's played for any team in his entire career. That's mental. And he's only played, like, not even a whole season for us. Um, you know, and, and then to be able to not only get them in the door through the through the transfer embargo, they're on very little money, and then to be able to get the best out of them. I mean, Phil Jagielka at 39, people were laughing at us at the beginning of the season thinking, look at you guys getting younger at the center half, you know? And then the moment he's released from Derby, Stoke pick him up, and he's immediately like captain and starting for him because he was playing at such a high level. So I don't think the 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 way Wayne's the way that Wayne's done this job is he's just galvanized this group of players and he's tried to get the most out of them. And, you know, he's really done a good job integrating the first team, the youngsters into the first team. Not that he's really had a choice to do that. He's been kind of forced. Um, but, you know, uh, he's been, he's been absolutely fantastic. And if he was to avoid relegation, I mean, that would be, I mean, we're talking like Leicester city quality historic. <laughs> wouldn't you agree? Just, I mean, that uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. To, to be able to get out from that. But I think, I think for me, the longer term thing is, I mean, obviously he had an opportunity. He could have potentially had an opportunity to go to Everton. And he was like, no, nah, I'm staying at Derby. I don't, I'm not even, not even going to pick up the phone call. And that's, that was something that Frank Lampard went to Chelsea because it was his job. It was his dream to do that. And I'm sure it's Wayne's job to manage in the Premier League and to do these top teams. But, you know, he wants to see the job through a Derby. And I really do hope that, you know, he stays after the season because with what he's been able to do on like, there's a shoestring budget and then there's a nothing budget. And Wayne's been on a nothing budget all season. If you give this guy a little bit amount, a little bit amount, a, a little bit amount of money, I can't speak, yeah. sorry, yeah. Uh, small awesome. amount of money to be able to go out there and to try to build a team in his in his image and the way he wants to do it. I mean, the sky's the limit. It's going to be a massive offseason, though, for us, because I know he said, Justin, what was it, like 40 odd players they need to sign for the yeah. first team in 23s and 18s and reserves and whatever. So that's a massive opportunity. I would hope I would hope that Wayne would stay no matter what division that we're in. But it's going to take it's going to um, it's going to be a, a tough it's going to be a tough summer for Derby uh, because they're going to be fighting off offers for him and from from the highest clubs in this in this land or in England. I say land because I'm in America and MLS <laughs> not going to be competing and I always forget about that. But for the for the sake of the audience, it's England. I mean. No, no. We, we you feel you feel the same, time. Justin? Like, do you feel the same that he could he could potentially be manager of manager of the year? Um, if he keeps Derby up, absolutely. Um, I think there are probably other managers ahead of him. The likes of Corbrand, Nathan Jones, they've done it on small budgets as well. So this is me putting my second tier hat on rather than my, my biased Derby hat. But he'd certainly be up there again. I, you know, I found myself criticizing him after the Blackburn game because I felt the game management was really really poor. But at the same time. Just bringing in all, all the context, like you were saying, Corey, that the fact that Derby, they started the season with, um, oh, I think they had to get the, the special discom discompensation from the AFL to sign the likes of Ravel Morrison and Phil Jagielka um, the day before the Huddersfield game. Uh, it wasn't Jagielka, sorry, uh, Richard Stimmen, the day before the Huddersfield game on the opening day of the season. Um, and the same again for bringing Luke Plange into the team. They had to ask the AFL for special permission to do that. So they've been... They, They've been, it's not even begging and borrowing. They've been doing you know, whatever below, whatever's below that. And again, bringing the youngsters through. If Derby do get a takeover sorted and they are secured for long term future, the, the players that have come through are massive, massive assets to the football club and could potentially be worth millions to them. So that, that that's been a really important process, I think, for for Derby County overall, and one of the the very small wins we can say we've had this season. So what's the, so. I guess there's no news about any kind of takeover still in administration. There's no 
So there's rumours about Mike Ashley. I remember um, not a couple of months back. What what happened there? I mean, what was this? I don't know what happened because he seemed like he wanted to buy Derby County. They they've had they've had bids for uh, the club. Um, there was the Benny family from from Boston in the US. They put a thirty million pound bid in, which the 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 administrators turned down. Don't really know. I mean, I'm not a financial expert or an administration expert. I don't really know how you turn down bids. Uh, for a football club in, in whatever state they're in, you know, I remember when Derby were bought for a pound, for example, back in sort of the mid two thousands. So I don't really know how you turn down a bid. I know they've got to satisfy creditors and whatnot, but yeah, I don't really know how they do that. But yeah, Mike Ashley, I, apparently he was going to be named preferred bidder a couple of weeks ago, but that fell through at the last moment. Um, it's very hard to, to to judge because of how little communication we've had from the administrators. Um, and the state Derby are in, it, you know, it is down to Mel Morris. There have been other factors that have held the process back. You know, the, the claims from Middlesbrough and Wickham, for example, uh, two of those, and obviously the stadium being in the hands of Mel Morris as well, that's not helped. Um, but I think every Derby fan's left exasperated by the situation because it's been six months in administration. It's been, I think, November 2020 when we were said we were 48 hours away from um, the BZI deal, which was the the, the Saudi Arabian. Uh, not Saudi Arabia, sorry, it's Sheikh Ali, the, the, the cousin or second cousin of um, uh, Sheikh Mansour, who owns Man City. You know, that, that's almost two years ago now. Um, it, Derby, Derby fans have been through a lot, and I know Coventry fans have been through it as well. Um, so it's, it's always good to, to know that there, there, have, that there, are, there have been fans that have gone through it and come out the other side of it. I think that's the only sort of hope Derby fans can take at the moment is that teams have been in similar situations and, and come out the other side. And I think to Justin's point, Justin, as a side note, did you see the uh, the news of Eric Alonso today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that he's a board member of Charlotte, and Charlotte's like, I, we don't even know who this guy is. So that's another bizarre one. But, Mark, I think the only thing I could add to Justin's thing is he's, he's absolutely hit the nail on the head yet again, um, is that it's not only fans that are frustrated. Um, the journalists are frustrated. <laughs> the people that cover the clubs are frustrated. We've talked to a couple of the the journalists recently, and, you know, they're they're not getting answers from the administrators or from, you know, anybody in power that can give them answers so it's frustrating situation for for us as podcasters uh it's frustrating for us as fans it's frustrating for the journalists it's frustrating it's it's got to be frustrating for the players and for Rooney because I mean if you listen to Rooney's pre-match press conferences week after week after week you just feel sorry for the guy eventually because it's just like he just continually just like he just feels like a beaten man every week and he keeps saying like this needs to get sorted this needs to get sorted and one day there's going to be a moment where he's just going to go I've been telling you for like X amount of time that this needs to get sorted. And I've just had enough because this would have broken, I think, let, you know, people who are not fighters. You know, if you watch the Rooney documentary on Amazon, he talks about how he's a fighter. And I think that that's the one thing that's probably keeping him in the job right now. So, you know, there's just frustration all the way around from everybody on the fact that this this takeover now has drug out for as long as it has. We've been in administration for as long as we have in you know, we were we we were close to going out of business at a point. We thought Justin, didn't we? I mean, we the fans had a 40, 40 or 50,000 person march in the Derby City Center and supported the club. And we thought playing Birmingham might be our last ever game. And then all of a sudden we got a reprieve. And now all of a sudden we've got, you know, some sort of money proof of funds has been shown. To, at least we can finish out the season in May. But again, there's there's a there's a date there. We don't know. You know, Justin and I can't sit here and go, well, Justin, let's talk on our podcast in June or July because we might. Well, Justin will have a podcast to talk about. Maybe he'll hire me to do it. But, um, you know, we might not have a football club to talk about in, in, you know, sometime after the season finishes in May. And that's how dire the situation is. And I don't want to be alarmist, um, but, you know, that that's ultimately the, the dire the dire straits that we're in. I mean, 
Um, I don't feel like it'll come to that. I do feel like something will eventually happen, but you know, there's always that there's always that glimmer of uncertainty that that's that's not nice as it hovers around. Yeah. Well, I wish um, I wish Derby well, and I hope I hope you do get um, you get bought and uh, you know it secures your future in the long term. It, it, even if you get relegated this season, if you have a club at the end of the day with with backing. I'm sure Derby County will bounce back uh, regardless of what happens. So I wish I wish you well on that front. Um, looking back on the game on Saturday, got to bring um, Vicky and Ken back in. Um, from our point of view, Scarby Corner is as big a game as the Derby. It's also a big game for us. We need to bounce back uh, uh, from, from 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 that game. Start with you, Ken. There's not really a lot of change we would make on personnel because we're very very stretched, aren't we? In terms of who we, can, who we can select. Yeah, I don't think there's many changes you can make, to be honest, depending on the availability and stuff. I think Rose is still going to be out due to COVID. So, um, yeah, you might have to change tactically a little bit. Um, we'll have to see what, what sort of system he's going to play. But, yeah, possibility maybe, um, I don't mean people are calling for Tavares to start. I don't know. But uh, maybe I don't think he will, to be honest. I think he'll just stay on the bench again, and I don't think there'll be many changes, to be fair. Yeah, uh, Vicky, um, a former Derby player might be playing against Derby on on, on Saturday. Martin Michael, nice time to score for him, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he needs some more game time, doesn't he? It's a difficult one because he's not. He's had a lot of in and outs of. The sort of team throughout the season for one reason or another and he just looks now a bit off match fitness a bit out of confidence a bit out of form and so he needs to run the games but then equally we need goals and points and so it's one of those sort of difficult situations do you give him the game time to build that up and risk the fact that he won't do anything for another sort of 90 minutes or, or do you let him have a, a go and like you said there's always the, the old um, old player curse, isn't there? So there's a good chance that if we play him on Saturday, um, he'll get the goal because we all know that that happens regularly. That you go back to an old team and um, put one away. So um, maybe that maybe that's the answer to um, our goal scoring issues. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Um, my personal view is, I think um, I don't see a lot of changes for this game. I don't think I think McFadden possibly might be up for it for a while. Um, not hunted sure on the row situation. I suspect he won't be playing this game. Um, I don't see a lot of changes really. So I think it's no. from our point of view, this is probably last chance saloon. I think if we don't get, any, I think anything less is the win. And I think we'll be thinking about the beach um, for next season. <laughs> so I mean, I think I don't personally. I'm, I don't think we're quite good enough for playoffs this season. I just don't think we're consistent enough. We don't take our chances. Um, you know, we always seem to concede first. So, but I mean, it sounds like a really doom and gloom thing, but it's not. It's been a really good season generally. But um, I think that, that that's how things goes, really. Um, let's go to predictions for this game. Um, we're going to go in the, the home corner, the white corner. We're going to go uh, Justin followed by Corey. So, what's your predictions for this game? Yeah, I'll always I'll always give you two predictions. Uh, my derby one and uh, my second tier one. I think optimistic derby uh prediction will be a a 1-1 draw um and then second tier one i think coventry sneak a late one they'll win late in the game Corey, what's your score of verdict 
Yeah, I can see it. I can see it going either way, Justin and and uh, and Mark. And I think um, I can definitely see Coventry nicking it late one nil, and that would pretty much kill us off. Uh, <laughs> and then you know the carnage kind of ensues and everything like that. But I'm going to be optimistic here because Derby have to win, and we have seen um, you know positive reactions after negative actions the previous game. Uh, you know, time and time again from this club. So and this club continues to fight and defy the odds a little bit. So. I'm going to I'm going to be optimistic here and I'm going to say Darby's going to win 1-0. Martin Waghorn will miss a sitter because that's what Martin Waghorn does. Okay. Well, he did for us anyway, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hence hence why hence why we're in the situation we're in. Exactly, yeah. In the away corner, um Ken, what's your uh, what's your verdict? I think we're going to win, Mark. I think we're going to come back, bounce back. Uh, it's going to be a tight game because there's no easy games in this league as we all know. Uh, I think we'll probably concede first again as normal, but this time I think we'll come back and perhaps win 2-1. I'm going for a 2-1 away win. Victoria, optimistic, pessimistic? I don't know. I think it's quite a hard one to call, isn't it? Because you've got two teams that need to react to sort of bad performances and it probably is who's going to react the the best. Um, I suppose if we can also keep it tight, um, obviously like Corey mentioned earlier on, it really is a a must-win game for Derby and you can imagine that there'll be a bit of tension on the terraces as the game goes on and that might play into our sort of favour because if it starts to feel a bit like that around the ground um, it starts making the the Derby player sort of feeling pressurised that that might help us Um, I think it'll probably be a goal in it either way so 1-0 and just trying to remain positive I'm going to say that's going to be 1-0 to Coventry (laughs) yeah um yeah, I think I might be sitting back on the fence again. I think I'm going to go 1-1 <laughs> this one. Um, purely because I think it's a game say, both teams need to win. I think I think it's definitely a game we can win, but if we play like we did against Hull, we'll lose. We cannot we cannot play like we did yeah, last night. That was just, it was very poor. If we play like against Sheffield United, however, we'll win the game 3-0. But it's it's a hard one to call. I think I think I, I can see us winning, but I can see us not winning. I just it's a hard one. I'm I'm gonna go one one. I'm gonna sit on the fence again for this one. Um I think Derby you know, I, I think they'll miss someone like a Kazian Richards, because um, I think he's he, I was I was a bit fearful about him playing, so I'm quite happy he's not playing. Um so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick on one one. So that's that's my view. Um <laughs> so so gonna finish things off. Um our, our partner Skype is having um will be providing travel for away fans going to Derby. They are doing yeah. offering a deal, breakfast and a point uh, breakfast and a pint, not and a point, might be a point as well, but breakfast and a pint, seventeen pounds fifty. Um you got any more details, Ken, on that as well? Yeah, uh, they've got a few tickets left for the obviously it's an all ticket game. All the tickets have been sold for the game, so don't travel if you haven't got a ticket, we've been told, um, for the game. So all, all the tickets have been sold. Uh, but if you have got a ticket and you're looking for travel, then they have got a few places left on the coach. Coaches leave at 10 o'clock, uh, but the tavern is open from 7am all the way through. So people are going down there just to watch the game on the telly as well, which you can do, which we are later on today. Uh, we've got a table booked down there, so you can go down there and watch it on, on the telly. But it's been open from 7 o'clock in the morning. And it's open all the way through. So if you're going by on the coach, it, um, it leaves at 10 o'clock. So be down there nice and early. 
Great stuff, thanks, thanks for that, Ken. Um, that rounds off tonight's show. I um, want to thank um, regular guests Ken Stewart, Victoria Oaks. Um, thanks once again to Corey Hancock and Justin from Second Tier Podcast. Um, that rounds off tonight's podcast. Uh, we'll be having another show Sunday. Fingers crossed we'll be talking about a win against Derby, uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, so that'll be Sunday and that'll be released in uh, about sort of eight, nine o'clock time. Thanks for listening. Sky, play up Sky Blues and talk to you soon. Good night.